Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast that loves you. I am your groove mistress, your hostess, and your cruise director for the evening, Madam Perry. But you can call me Jan or Jennifer or Perry, Miss Perry. It's all good. Um, anyway, thank you so much to everybody once again for listening. And, and uh, uh, people, uh, maybe it's because people have more time or they're at home and uh People are getting more involved and sending more comments and things to me and suggestions, and I like that. Also, in that, um, yeah, in the questions I've gotten recently, I've got to address that first. Uh, no, I haven't yet gotten someone to do the drawing for the books from Julie Blomacky and Matt Coyle, but I will. And uh, so I'll have some winners to you by the weekend. Also, uh, two people last week that I had on the show uh Wednesday night was Don Most, you know him as Donnie Most, or Ralph Mouth from Happy Days First. Um, yes, I did post the video he did with Robert Wool from the show Viral Vignettes, but I will put it out again. And also, the um, the show he did with Anson Williams, his old co-star from Happy Days, that they had never acted again in all these years until recently. And uh, this is an Amazon Prime show is called Harvest Time, but the uh, trailer or the uh, pilot they did put on YouTube, and uh, he gave it to me to share. So I shared that. Also, somebody said he said he was coming to Atlanta. No, he was in Atlanta to go doing a play. Then he was going to come back and um, sing, but you know things changed. So, but as soon as he is, he's going to he's going to send me new music and let us know. So he will uh, will know when Don Most is going to be singing and swinging in Atlanta and everywhere. Also, Bruce Sudano, uh, singer, songwriter, musician. Uh, most of the songs you know of his are ones he did with his late wife, Donna Summer, wrote for her when he played when they wrote songs together. Don's, uh, excuse me, that was Don. Uh, Bruce Sudano's new CD, or EP, Vir- uh, Spirals, Volume 1, is available, and you can get it from his website, and I'll be sharing the links to all that stuff again on all of my social media. But, yeah, his voice is still in great shape, too. And um, Bruce is not slowing down, thank goodness. Oh, also recently, a couple months ago, or maybe longer, I had Brad Schreiber on talking about his book, Music is Power. And in the book, Music is Power, he's going through uh, music way back to um, uh, skiffle and, and folk music, up through the modern time, songs that comment on current uh, political and social situations, what they used to call protest songs and stuff. And because of the because this week was the 50th anniversary of the uh, the shootings at Kent State University, Ohio, and that's something that of course figures prominently in his book Music Is Power. Brad Schreiber asked if um like to come back on and, and if he could come back on and talk about that. And I said, yeah, definitely. My, um, so he will be, uh, I think in about two weeks, we uh, haven't set a date yet, so I will let you know all about that. Now, as I've told you, you've, <laughs> you've seen the post. I've been telling you about this, too. I am, I am so excited about tonight's guest. And... Lucky for me, I've got a lot of guests to be excited about, and definitely this one, too. You might have gotten to know him, if you don't know him already. You might have gotten to know him on a show I did recently, about a week ago, um, called Looking Forward, just um, thinking about how life is going to be after COVID-19 or going forward with things. And he was one of the guests on there with that excellent panel that included Will Hare, Mary Fan, Thomas Watson, and... Uh, just had to have him back tonight because there's so much more that people ask me about him, and 
so much they wanted to know and ask us. Well, you know, don't ask me. We'll ask him. So I'm w- delighted to have back here tonight in the Genie Bottle, uh, filmmaker, actor, director, and knows all kind of things that I don't understand. True media personality um, does not describe me, but he is here tonight. And so please welcome back to Madam Perry Salon, at Eric Shoemaker. Eric, welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me again. I I am thrilled to have you back so soon. Your uh, your seat's still warm for you, so that's good. Yeah, it's um, a nice memory foam one so, from last time. <laughs> yeah. So after the last show, they had Mary Fan Thomas Watson, uh, Will Her, who you know all Will has to do is say, "I've got an idea," and I do it. He's just He's such an interesting fellow, and, and Tom and Mary are fantastic, too. Yeah, yeah, very smart guy. Um, you guys didn't all go out and have fun without me after the show, did you? Because, you know, we were all on lockdown. Well, uh, we, we did, but it was virtual fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was probably walking the dogs or something, so was, we all had, a, okay, had some fun. Listen, again, thank you for coming back and talking. You've got so much um, – so much work, such a great body of work in your career that I'm so excited to share with people. Now, of course, I always put out that you're an actor, director, filmmaker, and everything, and I don't know how you've done all this work. It's because I don't know how old you are. It's none of my business, but you look like a very young man. So to get all of this done, you must have some superhuman strings or some vitamins that I don't even know about yet. But... um, I know you are definitely a critically acclaimed, multiple award-winning actor, producer, director, filmmaker. With uh, you've got quite a list of uh, successful film, TV, multimedia projects on your CV. And did you? I mean, did you grow? Uh, you did, you obviously knew this is what you wanted to do from an early age. Were you raised around um, theater or film or? Uh, yeah, both. I, my uh, my parents are both actors, and uh, so when I was uh, six years old, at least my earliest memory of it is when I was six years old, when, um, uh, you know, as my dad would tell me in particular stories about what he did, um, I wanted to know more. And so uh, when we were living in uh, Los Angeles, as he was pursuing uh, uh, during that, the per- that period where he was pursuing his acting career, we could be found every weekend in uh, Roxbury Park in L.A. with plastic uh, swords, plastic rapiers, um, <laughs> while he was teaching me to stage fence, and we were reciting scenes from Hamlet. And that was kind of the beginning, at least the beginning that I remember. Uh, my, my dad tells me earlier stories. He said when I was uh, somewhere around three, he told me a story that I didn't remember at all. He was doing an audition uh, at a, a theater in L.A., and uh, – um, for a for a Hamlet play, in fact, and he was uh, reciting. Uh, you know, he had the skull in his hand. And he was reciting. Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, the uh, uh, alas, poor Yorick, I I miss him, Horatio. And uh, and I was there in the theater because he didn't have anything else to do with me. And 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 my mom and I were, were all were there. And um, and he something caught his eye, and he looked over, and I was gone. I wasn't there in the seats. So he panicked for a second, and then he realized I was standing in front of him on the stage staring at him. And so he put the skull down and put my head in his hands and finished the uh, the monologue. And uh, so that was kind of when he first knew I had the bug, and I just begged them to continue teaching me from that, from the point that I became cognizant of what it was. So, um, so it's always been a thing for me. Wow, that's a that's a that's a pretty uh, magnificent story there. Um, so. So right away, he knew, you knew. Now, both your parents were involved in theater and acting, weren't they, both stage and screen? They they met on stage, in fact. Um, and, uh, yeah, they they both done uh, theater and film. And my mom uh, has specialized uh, particularly in dialect coaching as well. So uh, that's been extremely beneficial to me. Uh, they're they're kind of my secret weapons when I when I have a really – extremely challenging role. And most of my roles are extremely challenging. I, I really tend to like character roles that I have to kind of, you know, just uh, work extremely hard to become someone else. So 
my mom uh, has taught me all kinds of different accents. Uh, uh, my, my dad, uh, you know, coaches me when I need it. Um, so they're, they're both been really, really helpful and taught me quite a lot. Um, among the many other people who've taught me as well. But, uh, um, so yeah, they're both in, involved and I've even managed to work with them on something here and there. Oh, that's nice. Um, so <laughs> your mom must be, uh, obviously, um, obviously highly skilled dialect coach. So does she, has she taught you Southern dialects and do they sound like mine? She has, you know, very specific ones. Um, and in fact, most particularly, <clears throat> I haven't done a lot of Southern roles. Um, when I played uh, Doc Holliday in the recent, uh, re- recently released film Tombstone Rashomon by Alex Cox, um, I, uh, she taught me a, you know, very carefully a, 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 a an Atlanta, Georgia accent that would have been accurate for the 1880s, and uh, I had about 30 days to work that and get it as, as close to perfect as I could, and, you know, fully expecting that uh, if I made the slightest slip up, that would be the first thing I hear about <laughs> from her, <laughs> which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so good. Good to have somebody that you can trust to give you the legit stuff, um, and okay. also to to be right there to uh, correct it right away. Let mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I think I was telling someone um, one day that came on the, and they said, "Oh, I can, I've learned to do a southern accent." And when the girl was doing like a, yeah, it was a woman from England, but she her voice it was more of a Scarlett O'Hara kind of thing that she was doing, uh-huh. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I said, look, you know what? Years ago, I remember seeing, I do not remember who played him, but I know um, it could have been five, ten years ago, a TV film about uh, the the murder of John Lennon. Mm-hmm. And I said, who, whoever played Mark David Chapman, you know, I want to think it was Judah Freelander, but I don't really know, really don't remember for sure. I said, but I said you know what? I did not know Mark David Chapman. I mean, I did probably, but I don't remember anything about him because we grew up in the same neighborhood. And um, he was one of my same age as one of my younger brothers, and they were in Boy Scouts together, Scouts and Boy Scouts. And my mother, father knew the family. And but I do know enough about it to know this: if in Gresham Park. Uh, I know that nobody there, of course we all had southern accents, um, whereas this actor did something more like a, a riverboat gambler thing, which, believe me, if young Mark David Chapman had spoken like that in Gresham Park in southeast Atlanta in the 60s, he wouldn't have lived long enough. <laughs> he wouldn't have lived long enough to kill anybody. What do you think? He just wouldn't have lasted that long. So, um, yeah. Accents are a funny thing in films. They really, uh, they kind of, they tend, they often are all over the map. And uh, um, you know, I mean, oftentimes also when you, you know, when you get a movie role, you, you don't have a ton of time before you perform. Um, you know, so so I, I I'm sure that that's part of it. Um, but uh, I've seen I've seen some pretty wild uh, wild accents that were attempts at other accents <laughs> in a lot of films, and I just can't get away. I can't I can't I can't get away with it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we're all over. I mean, I've, I've got cousins that grew up 30 miles away from me, and we couldn't understand each other. So yeah, I yeah. yeah. And to them, I was a cousin in Atlanta that talked funny, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, I got that. It's it's all it, we're crazy down here. Anyway, um, so you grow up. Your parents are are stage and and uh, screen actors. Your mom's an actor and a photo coach. You've got the genetics. You know, you've got the legitimacy of it. You're going to be raised, as we would say, you're going to be raised right. And uh, <laughs> when did you start actually? Acting. I mean, was, did you start in school, high school? Well, I, I started. Uh, you know, I, I started auditioning um, and and doing little bits of work. I think I was probably around seven or eight years old. Um, had my first agent at I think 
seven or so. Um, and uh, but it was it was kind of a slow start with with uh, w- where I I you know sort of worked into it. I, I was I was always doing a little something, um, and uh, there were even points I got. I got some advice from uh, one of my mentors um, that I had to really chew on. Um, he was uh, uh, his name was Paul Manti, and he was a um, an actor who it, it was actually my dad's best friend, and they they both came from non-acting families and both became actors. Interestingly enough, and uh, Paul was best known for uh, doing. Um, uh, he was a regular on the TV show Cagney and Lacey. He was, uh, uh, if anyone remembers, the cult classic 1960s film Robinson Crusoe on Mars, uh, which, by the way, had a cameo by Adam West. Um, then uh, uh, he was uh, Paul was uh, was uh, was Colonel Draper, who was a, who was the uh, lead character in that really wonderful film. Um, and uh, anyway, Paul said something to me that uh, made me really consider things. Uh, he said, you know, he, he was he would often, my dad was the one who gave me a lot of technique. Paul taught me a lot about the industry. And he said to me, you know, Eric, if you can possibly think of anything else you could do with your life that would make you feel fulfilled, please go do that. Because if you're going to be an actor, this is an incredibly difficult career that will take a great deal out of you. You'll have to make a lot of sacrifices. It'll be hard. So, think about it before you really fully commit. And so I was, I kind of, you know, did a gig and then wasn't sure, did a gig, wasn't sure. I spent a while uh, where I, I, through acting, I discovered uh, Kung Fu. Um, I met my Kung Fu, the man who would become a Kung Fu master, and I studied Kung Fu for quite some time. And there was a point where I thought, well, maybe, you know, I was still doing acting gigs little by little, but maybe not going full bore. And, uh, and I thought maybe this is my path. Maybe really, you know, acting led me to kung fu, and I, this is really what I'm supposed to do is teach this. And then I kind of, I get these moments every once in a while where, for lack of better words, God kind of kicks me in the head and says, you know, hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, and I got one of those moments, and I and uh, and in fact uh, um, had a really good talk with my kung fu master. I was, you know, where he basically said, look, you know, you you can't give full commitment to everything, so you've got to really you know, choose your path. And so I, at that point, um, decided that I had to really refocus and, uh, um, and I uh, put everything into my acting and, and uh, filmmaking career. Um, so I'd always been in it, you know, and I'd been around it and I'd been around people who were in it. But uh, I'd say it's only in the past, uh, say, uh, um, you know, 15 uh, years or so that I've given it uh, full focus and taken no prisoners. Mm. And that's the thing, you know, having some, having your your parents as well as Paul Manti uh, to coach you, yeah. And he, he, they they knew what they were talking about, and of course Manti, you know, he he was working, I think, his um, up until almost two thousand, as as far as I know, mm-hmm. and doing lots of TV, everything from uh, Cagney and Lacey, as you mentioned, uh, Murder She Wrote, uh, episode of Seinfeld. Huge resume, huge resume. Uh, uh, really did a lot yeah. of stuff. Brilliant guy, brilliant guy. Yeah, you... And uh, and again, you know, he was more of he, you know uh, most of my technique knowledge came from people who I was studying formally with in other acting classes, and my and my parents who actually gave me formal acting classes. Um, and and Paul was really you know he was the guy who gave me reality checks and <laughs> and 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 taught me a lot about how to navigate the industry more often. Although I think it was really it was funny. I used to. Um, you know, he would get on the my dad and he would be on the phone and and they would argue over acting technique, which was pretty hysterical because they're, they're both <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, and but they had very different ways of approach. And so, uh, you know, they were both very diplomatic when they talked to me about each other's views on technique. Um, <laughs> he got very technical and and you know they were always saying, well, you know, they'd they'd be kind of mad at each other, but then they'd you know, privately each talk to me and say, well, we just have differing opinions on certain things, but it's not that the other is wrong. (laughs) Oh, that's very diplomatic indeed, yes. (laughs) Hey, let me ask you this. Have you ever, um, that sounds like a great story that a lot of people would like to hear. Well, not a story, but, you know, actual things. Um, I hope that 
at some time that you have or will write these things down. I can see this is a great two-man play. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> I guess there's I guess there's a yeah. there's there's a piece of uh, film or or, uh, or stage work in almost everything I guess. <laughs> yeah, because the way you saw yeah, I could just see the two talking, and then they both be got yeah they'll argue about it and then be diplomatic as they explain it. But you know that's his opinion, okay? So yeah, that sounds uh, that's very interesting, and sounds very entertaining as well. Okay, so then let's talk about so you're already getting help with these guys, um, you're. Doing, you know, I'll kind of see where I want to go through this with you. Let's go on up to Legends and Lies, the real West that you did for Fox TV, where you played Wyatt Earp. Mm-hmm. How much fun was that? That was a lot of fun. Uh, that was a. It, it was. Um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, who doesn't? Who who wasn't going to enjoy playing a legendary character and shooting scenes uh, at a legendary <laughs> place where a lot of westerners have been shot, uh, surrounded by big cameras and big crews and stuff? It was it was a blast. Um, it was it was also uh, um, it was a bit of a challenging time. I, I was uh, I got the role about a week before filming, um, and uh, and leaving the audition, I injured myself. Um, it, it wasn't anybody's fault. It, it, it's kind of a funny story. I, I was uh, I was driving away from the audition, which was at uh, Old Tucson, uh, formerly known as Old Tucson Studios, again a legendary place where a lot of big movies have been filmed, and uh, felt very good about the audition, and uh, was kind of in Wyatt Earp mindset. And as I was driving away, there's these really curvy roads leading away from Old Tucson, and uh, and I saw this gigantic. Uh, or a fairly large rock in the middle of the road that was pointy, and I and it looked kind of like a caltrop uh, from medieval times, and it occurred to me that that could damage somebody's tire. And there's a lot of mountains around there, and it just I guess fell off a mountain that was sitting in the middle of the road. So I decided that I was going to uh, that you know I said to myself, well, what would Wyatt Earp do? Well, I guess he he'd save the day. So I he decided I needed to get the rock out of the road. So I uh, I, I you know I drove back around and found a way to get back up the mountain and uh, I timed it perfectly so that I would leap out. I would, you know, put, put the brakes on my car, leap out of the car. Cause it's a very tight two way street. If you make a slight turn to the right, you, you drive into a mountain. If you make a slight turn to the left, you get a metal rail and go flying off the mountain. So there's not a lot of room. And, uh, <laughs> and if the car's coming up behind you fast and they can't see you, you have a problem. So, and so I timed it so that there would hopefully be enough space between me and the cars coming. And, uh, and the plan was that I leap out of the car, um, you know, undo the seatbelt, leap out of the car, run over to the rock, toss it back onto the side of the road, get back in the car and go. So that was the plan. I, I had just enough time to do it. So I, I pulled it, I, you know, I stopped the car, hit the brakes, hit the seatbelt, leapt out of the car, and my seatbelt caught on my cell phone case, which was on my belt, and uh, then proceeded oh, no. just as my leg was 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 taut. My my the, the metal part of my seatbelt whipped around and smacked me in the back of my tight muscle, and I went down. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I couldn't stand on the leg. So you know, being the kind of nut that I am, I then hopped over to the rock, threw it off the road, hopped back to the car, got in the car you know, hit the gas with my leg that wasn't working very well. And about three seconds later, pain, um, <laughs> then Ooh, uh, proceeded cool. to get lost on the way home and drive 40 minutes to an urgent care. So I spent the next week trying, just mainly trying to learn lines, learn as much as I could about Wyatt and, uh, and get to the point where I could walk properly and ride a horse. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was a, a little bit of a challenge. But the actual time on set was was wonderful and uh, a lot of good people out there. Um, and uh, I, uh, you know, since I had no time, of course, and I had not done a western before, I, I also uh, unfortunately had to learn to ride a, to ride a horse 15 minutes before riding a horse for six hours carrying a uh, a, a revolver in one hand. Um, <laughs> the cameras were rolling and playing someone who's an expert with horses, so that was uh, fortunately uh, I had uh, um, a wonderful crew of uh, of horse trainers out there and uh, Elvis the horse. Uh, who is a movie trained person and, and truly saved my life uh, and, and saved the scenes because, you know, he kind of figured out what I was trying to tell him to do. 
And occasionally he'd look back at me and go, dude, seriously. Oh, God. <laughs> but he was very tolerant. And... Oh, man. What an adventure. <laughs> you know, you're telling the story about you leaving the audition and, and going to get the rock. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. So it's like he's gone from getting auditioned here to an audition for something like in the future, Fast and Furious. And then as soon as he mentioned the cell phone case catches up, I'm thinking, oh, my God, now it's like Rebel Without a Cause. You know, and the, and the, dra- and the chicken or the drag race thing. The things you don't see on screen, <laughs> the challenges of yeah. actually doing the Oh, job. yeah. <laughs> when, you're, when, you're, uh, when, you're, when you're an occasional klutz, it's, uh, yeah. That was one of my more impressive klutzy moments. <laughs> I don't know. I guess the fact, though, that you were, um, uh, you say klutz, but I think the fact that you were a kung fu master probably I don't know, but I would say probably uh, helped you get out of it with no more than, than pain and, than you did have. You know, at least you had that. Well, I, well, I, would, I wouldn't say master, but uh, but I but I, I wouldn't say master, but I but I, I've studied long enough that I have a few skills. And yeah, it's certain. I mean, to put it this way, had I not had the, the wonderful training that I did, it might have been a little hard to do to do the whole hopping on one leg, throwing rock thing, getting back to car quickly, taking off while in pain thing. Um, you know, so fortunately, I had uh, I was quite familiar with with doing very uncomfortable exercises for long periods of time, <laughs> and and you know, had, had pretty good balance and so on. And also, fortunately, I, because of kung fu training, I can learn most physical skills very quickly, which is why I could learn to ride a horse that fast. So, <laughs> or sort of ride a horse that fast. All right. <laughs> So you didn't have to go limping through uh, Old Tucson, which which I love. You know, I've told you I've been there for the last three years in March for Wild Wild West Con, and uh, I hate to see you limping through there. I've got Mr. Dillon, Mr. Dillon. So, <laughs> so wow, that's great. So um, then, but you're one of the few people, in fact, I think, if, if there's anyone else that's done it, there may be, but I don't know them, uh, that you played both Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. And that was in film uh, Tombstone, help me pronounce this, Rashomon? Rashomon. Rashomon by yes. none other than Alex Cox for director. Alex yes, Cox. I mean, yes. yeah. yeah. Incredible, incredible director. Who did Repo Man? Guy. Yes, and oh, Sid okay. and Nancy and Walker and so many other, you know, kind of cult classic, um, just uh, brilliant original moving films. Uh, I'm a fan, obviously, and uh, yeah, yeah. So that was quite a that was quite a thing. We all are. So, do you feel like? I mean, that had to be um, a quite um, awe-inspiring experience. For to be in this film, directed by Alex Cox, um, do you feel like I'm sure you know you developed your own uh, style and professionalism? But the training that you had as a child, having parents and having uh, friends of your parents who were legitimate, disciplined actors, I'm sure that really went far working with a legend like him. Oh sure, yeah. Well, you know, this Doc Holliday was a very it was a challenging role because uh, he was a very complex person and um, and very different from who I am. And uh, I, I would say that, you know, my interpretation of Wyatt was, was a little closer to the persona that I used to take on when I was teaching Kung Fu, um, you know, but, uh, um, but, but the, um, the, but but Doc, you know, is was such a complex person who was in a lot of pain. He was extremely intelligent. He had, uh, um, you know, I mean, he had he was a doctor. Uh, he was a gambler. He was uh, on drugs. He was <laughs> uh, he had this really strange <laughs> and messed up relationship with uh, uh, with Kate Haroni, otherwise known as Big Nose Kate. Um, he, uh, you know, had this odd friendship with Wyatt and. Uh, um, and Alex had written this amazing uh, and wild and wonderful script um, where um, where he gave this story, the Rashomon treatment, which uh, is based on Akira uh, Kurosawa's uh, Rashomon, uh, a film essentially where um, several different people tell 
the same story about something that happened from their perspective and from what they want other people to believe. So they tell different stories about the same event. And it was really a brilliant way of approaching this because if you know if you know about the, the what's known as the gunfight at the OK Corral, which did not take place at the OK Corral exactly, um, as Doc points out in the film, um, it, uh, um, the, it it was reported on based on the eyewitnesses' accounts of many different people, all of whom had a different agenda or different memories of what happened. So no one's really clear on exactly what, what went down and why. And so he took the approach of, well, let's tell that story from multiple perspectives and uh, and see what we get, which was really interesting to play. Wow. And, yeah, and um, I would imagine that would be a very satisfying role. It sure was. Um, it was particularly satisfying because what I most uh, – enjoy doing is is disappearing i most enjoy completely becoming someone else it's hard uh when it's someone that's that different for me and so when i accomplish it to the point where um where hope where hopefully you know and, and some people have told me this about various pieces of my work including this one that that they almost forgot that i was the one on the screen then that's extremely satisfying for me um both spiritually and uh, and emotionally and as a professional, it's I really love to not be seen on the screen, but I want you to just see the character. And with a character like that, um, I had 30 days to lose a ton of weight because Doc was, uh, you know, dying of tuberculosis. Um, I had uh, so I physically transformed. I walked different. I learned the accent. I uh, learned his history. I tried to think like him to the point where if you uh, if you talk to me on the set. Uh, or any time just before I, I, I came onto the set or for about 30 minutes after every day, you were not talking to me, you were talking to Doc. Um, and one of my pals on the set, uh, Grip uh, uh, Mike Ray, uh, said, said something that really was a high compliment to me at the last day of shooting when we uh, did a little after party afterwards and I came out of Doc, which took me a while to get out of the persona. And he said, wow, it's really nice to finally meet you. Which is a very high compliment. <laughs> wow. All oh, right. All right. I love that. That it was, was a, great. It's quite a pain, but hey. it's quite a painful process to play him and that makes it all the, for me all the more all the more fulfilling because I knew that I really worked for it. Oh yes. Yes indeed you did. All right. Well you know what I've got to be talking about some more of your things. I've even got an audio clip from uh film you did. Right now, I need to take a short break and talk about our my new sponsor for this week and next week. So, Eric, I'm going to let you have a little time to get a glass of water or something or some coffee or whatever time it is. It might be margarita time there. I don't know. But I'm going to give you just a moment, and then we'll be right back with more of Eric Schumacher. <laughs> All right. Hey, you know, this is a time when it's really hard uh, to get out and get the things you need. I mean, sure, you can put on a mask and glasses and gloves, or you can order some things, you can pick up curbside, but sometimes there's things you need that just aren't in your corner store. Uh, that is where Biomarth comes in. Biomarth is spelled B-I-O-M-A-R-T-H, and they and it's Biomarth.com. You go online, you look there. Biomarth wants to be your number one source for all things health. They are dedicated to giving you the very best of weight loss products, uh, pain relief, uh, anti-aging, digestive health, as well as um, lots of vegan health and wellness products that you may not even be aware of yet or didn't think that you could find. For example... Let me take you through there and show you some of the products that they have. I'm looking on the website. If you follow with me, biomarth.com. And by the way, they're based in the U.K., but they do ship internationally. And they are vegan. Everything there is animal-free, and all payments, all transactions are secure. Um, some of the things that they have featured right now, uh, digestive aid, digestive enzymes, alkaline infusion powder, magnesium oil spray, rustic they have a rustic soap selection, 
organic name oil. They have a lot of hair care and body products as well, plus uh, different shakes for health or for muscle growth, whatever you want. They have everything from uh, chocolate-flavored shakes, uh, powder, L-glutamine amino acid powder, and this one I love, iHeart Pumpkin and Chia Seed Super Protein Powder, a Hemp Nourish Protein Powder, lots of delicious stuff for you. Also, um, so whether, whatever you're looking for in supplements, things for immunity support, fibromyalgia, weight loss, cellulite, anti-aging, women's health, blood pressure, uh, respiratory health, that's on everybody's mind right now, fatigue and low energy, whatever it is that you need a little extra help with right now, go to Biomarth and that's B-I-O-R, excuse me, B-I-O-R-T-H dot com, Biomarth, and uh, check them out. They want to take care of you. They want to deliver things to you. Okay, so uh, this is Madam Perry. I'm still here with actor, filmmaker, producer, director. The man does everything. Uh, in fact, right now, I think if you if you heard him with me on the show last week, the Looking Forward After COVID nineteen show, I think we established that you know probably for I'm not I mean he hasn't said this okay this is all coming from me but maybe for the right price you could probably hire him as a an assistant or bodyguard to go grocery shopping. He can give a glare to get people six feet away from you or use those uh, kung fu skills. I don't know, Eric. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, probably you know. not gonna probably not gonna do that. Although, <laughs> uh, maybe not. Okay, to what all we right. Well, we still about, got... uh, last week is is the the the, the special glare thing. Yeah. <laughs> the special glare. Yes, tell me. You've got a special. Your glare is known in show business, and probably beyond. Uh, well, it's a, a little, a little bit. I, I guess uh, uh, my my kung fu students used to uh, uh, when I after I started teaching used to uh, tell me that I had just this special glare. <laughs> and I guess uh, I guess that's bled mm-hmm. into my, my acting work. So when I play very intense uh, characters, I've, uh, I, 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 I seem to have a, a special glare that uh, I've been told freezes the blood in one's system. Um, <laughs> but it's all about being in character. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it definitely helps when I have to go out shopping and I need to clear a pathway. I just sort of, you know, get into get into character and put the glare on and people get out of my way. <laughs> all right <laughs> i think you go or call the police i'm not you know, it depends on the situation oh. <laughs> <laughs> that man's making me uncomfortable oh, no. now i gotta get some water <laughs> okay yeah yeah because we also had mary fan on and uh and she's going to be back she's going to be here on monday night yeah the, the thing with her is that oh, she's going to be having trapeze artistry or, or uh, aerial art skills <laughs> you know we were saying who would be the who would be the most valuable? It's like we've got some kind of an island uh, survival competition going. Who do you want on your team? I know I definitely want <laughs> you and Mary both if I had to be on some kind of survivor team, which I hope I don't, but who knows what could happen. So, well, as long as you don't uh, ask me to cook, because, I, I mean, if you, if you ever see me uh, cooking in a movie, that was a stunt double. Um. <laughs> a stunt double? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, uh, okay. I, I have a special right, lack of right. in the kitchen. It's quite impressive. <laughs> yeah? Okay. All right. Is there something you want to share or you want to just keep on going? Oh, no, no. Keep on going. There's not much to say okay. there other, other than I, I, I am blessed by uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm actually married to a professionally trained chef, so uh, that's why I don't, you know, starve. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lovely relationship. All right. So let's talk. I want to get more into what you're doing now and some other things coming up. Um, there is a TV series, and now people keep, you know, everybody's talking, and I see this just today on uh, Facebook with sharing shows that they've watched. Like, I'm watching this and this and this. I'm going through this series. What have you got, you know, or what have you got? And mm-hmm. so, um, People are just kind of getting bored. So I am here to tell you, folks, that I got a whole wealth. I've got a treasure of stuff for you right here um, from from Eric. One thing is a series, and I want to start this one soon. 
I want you to tell us about a sitcom. It was a sitcom called Cooling Up. I just love the premise of it. So, and you've got a, um, you, of course, you have a major. Well, you describe it. Well, actually, that that series came out quite some time ago, um, and uh, and it's it's uh, rather hard to find at this point. It was a, a wonderful, groundbreaking, uh, uh, very early uh, streaming web series. Um, it was very funny. Um, created by uh, Melissa Bonsack, who I'm probably mispronouncing the name of. I'm good at that. Um, but uh, she's a fantastic writer, director, um, who came up with this concept about a, uh, uh, a TV news um, uh, producer who um, gets into a situation where she ends up uh, uh, have kind of losing her mind. And then, and then after she gets back in shape, she is given a community service and she's forced to uh, do community service at a public access station. So she's working in this crazy kind of, you know, public access environment. She's a pro news person and all the kooky characters that exist mm-hmm. there. And I uh, was fortunate to be cast as uh, uh, the, the the guy who led her to, to lose her mind, a character called Frank Mann, uh, who was kind of a pompous ass and, a, and not a very bright guy. And he was the newscaster who she was supposed to marry. And it was a very fun show. And uh, it, it, uh, it lasted for one for only one season, uh, but it was uh, pretty groundbreaking because it was a very you know it was early in the in the web series world and it was extraordinarily funny. Hey, I worked public access. You know, I had a uh, yeah other people's shows and my own, so I know that's a funny world as it is. You know, without something yeah. like that, so uh, about being condemned to it or, or punished uh, or being sentenced to it. All right, well then let's get yeah. So we'll have to just dig that up. People gonna have to start digging out some things for. Uh, for consumers, okay? We need more stuff. Well, then let's move up a little bit. Um, there's a series, uh, and, and help me pronounce the name, uh, got a lot of acclaim, sci-fi web series, Zon, The Alien Interviews. Yeah, and, and you co-produced technically that, it's pronounced right? John. I did, in fact, yeah. That John, was, uh, okay. That was something I, I co-produced that with uh, my, my, good, uh, my good friend and colleague, Robert Linden, and uh, had a couple of... Uh, Terrific directors, uh, Alan Williams and Terrell Good, who uh, who um, you know were the were kind of the lead uh, creatives in on the set. Um, and the series was written by uh, my frequent uh, um, filmmaking partners, uh, Marty Catola and Cliff Campbell. Uh, really great uh, project. Uh, basic short story of a uh, um, a, a young looking man claiming to be an ancient extraterrestrial walks into a uh, uh, a secret agency of the United States government and claims to be an ancient extraterrestrial and demands to be interrogated. And uh, and then he starts telling stories about what he claims are his experiences throughout world history. And uh, it was just a, a very cute show that we uh, worked very hard on. It's uh, four hours long, uh, 20 episodes, and um, it played at Comic-Cons and film festivals and uh, is available online at YouTube, on, on YouTube right now. Um, and uh, uh, got a lot of acclaim, and uh, people seem to like it. All right. But then, um, let's see, something else I want to, because I've got a few more things I want to get through while I've still got a little time with you left. Um, I I should have planned a part two for you. Maybe we will if you've got time. But right now, um, I've got a clip. I've got an audio clip from The Revenge of Zoe. Could you set that up for Uh us and tell us what it's about? Yeah, sure. So Revenge of Zoe is uh, a very clever uh, indie-produced film series um, that uh, uh, by Pondo Enterprises. Um, it's uh, it's a, a fan culture, or if you, you could say geek culture comedy, set largely in comic book stores and game stores. Um, has all kinds of uh, cameos from uh, um, from people who are well-known creators within the industry, uh, uh, such as. Uh, um, uh, in, the, in that particular film, too, the, the better-known ones were uh, um, Timothy Zahn, who many people know as you know, written, having written a lot of very well-known novels, and uh, Lucas Turnblum, who is best known for uh, the Dream Jumper comic book series, um, and uh, and so that was uh, um, it's a it's a comedy film uh, really about people who are you know very wonderful unusual nerdy people trying to be friends and write movies um and so this 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 uh, this clip is from uh, the the film that's actually titled Revenge of Zoe um and it's uh, 
Um, the, the setup for this scene is uh, uh, the character I play, um, John Burns, who's one of the comic book store owners, is uh, has an evening in with his uh, with his fiance. Um, that's pretty much it. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's go then. You're not listening to me. Of course I am. I swear. I oh, yeah. Well, then what did I say then, huh? 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 Uh, you, you worked, and it was a full moon. Uh, bitch, 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 Janine sucks. I love you. I love you, too. Mom called me at work today. Oh, God. Oh, it's not that bad. Dad doesn't hate you. I mean, of course he hates me. I'm sleeping with his daughter. Plus, I'm a nerd boy who sells comic books. I know every time he looks at me, he thinks, this this guy's supposed to take care of my daughter? What kind of future can he provide her? Not to mention my grandkids. Every time he looks at me, I swear. You're a successful businessman. What more do you want? Yeah, you're right. I always am. Now, turn off that light and snuggle up next to me. Uh, what about your avocado mask? Oh, grab a chip and shut up. Oh, wait... Where are you going? Hang on, I got a surprise. John! This is better be good. Huh? Surprise? <gasps> is that the squirrel outfit? You better believe it. Want to try it on? Um, maybe just without the headpiece. Let's store some nuts for winter. So that's a wonderful Sarah Jackson, very great actress, and so they have a very you know John comes across in the film as a very kind of conservative character, and then uh, but they have a very weird love life uh, behind the scenes. And uh, I should add that uh, that film uh, uh, was also produced by uh, um, uh, the the guys who wrote John the Alien interviews, uh, which is which are the team behind Pondo Enterprises created these films. Uh, it was co-produced with. Uh, the amazing Jeffrey Notkin, uh, who's uh, well known as uh, uh, for for Meteorite Man and a lot of uh, science uh, TV work, and uh, was uh, uh, shot wonderfully by uh, ArcLight Pictures. Uh, so great team behind that. And uh, there's, there's another film uh, that was in production and on hold uh, due to the pandemic. And uh, Revenge of Zoe should be released very soon, actually, after winning some awards. Sweet. All right. We'll be looking forward to that. Um, well, I've got a few more minutes with you. This is all. I've got a lot to cover, so I'm going to break it up and let you just sort of take the lead on this. I'll just give you some. Sure. One of the things is, um, oh, and by the way, Eric is um, a, a very sought-after, uh, experienced lecturer and speaker. So, um, if you want to get in touch with him to uh, speak, maybe I don't know, film class. Um, I guess you're doing a lot of online speaking. You've been on a lot of local and national uh, talk shows. Uh, You've been quoted in prestigious publications about film and multimedia industries. Uh, you speak at Comic-Con, so uh, film festivals, sci-fi festivals, other kind of fan events. If you want to, if people want to um, contact you and get you to come out and speak to their group, well, actually, you can do some online, can't you? I mean, I was asked to speak to a group of yeah. students at Clark Atlanta University a couple of weeks ago, which I did with Zoom. And um, I get, you know, you can still do that now. But if people wanted to reach you, talk to you, or have you come talk to them, where would they go? Probably the best way is to uh, send an email to my uh, company main email address, which is info, I-N-F-O, at seelystudios.com. That's S-E-E-L-I-E, and the word studios, plural, dot com. Um, That's the email address for my production company. Um, and uh, that's probably the best way. I am all over social media. I get a lot of messages, so I am often slow to respond on things. So that the, the email address is probably the best way someone will see it, and eventually it'll get to me. Um, and, uh, I, and I show that I, I, you know, I, I, I am, I have done some speaking recently, as you did uh, online. I did a, in fact, I, I gave a free <clears throat> acting class, uh, or actually about the business of acting class, uh, about a, two weeks ago now for an online uh, uh, fan convention called uh, Articon um, that was put on by a 
a wig company, are, are, are the wigs that uh, does wigs for cosplayers. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I'm super busy, but I, I do love to, you know, to kind of give back that way wherever I possibly can. You know, I've noticed that somewhere um... – I noticed that you are on the Seely website. By the way, yes, that is S E E L I E S T U D I O S. And if you're driving, like some people tell me they're driving when they're listening, um, I will be sharing the link to Seely Studios on all of my social media, so you don't have to worry about pulling over and writing it down or anything. I will make sure that every it's on all of my social media everywhere, if you can get it safely. Um, but you studios. I noticed that you did, well, for one thing, you did a book trailer for uh, a mutual friend, David Lee Summers, uh, for his book, The Astronomer's Crypt. That's great. Uh, mm-hmm. You do some videos, music videos, as well as uh, trailers uh, for authors? Yeah, yeah. We're, you know, we are uh, we're mainly moving in the direction of doing narrative fiction and uh, and working on, you know, we're getting a lot of projects finished and out um, that are, uh, that are narrative fiction projects, and that will, and that's where our company's been moving uh, more away from client work. But we're still very interested in, in working with other creatives to make uh, their dreams reality. And uh, so, um, we've done award-winning music videos, and, and and we're doing projects for authors. And so, um, you know, when it's the right project, we, we're very interested in in talking to uh, um, uh, to to other creatives about. Uh, things that will enhance their work and, and help them get their work out there, such as uh, things like book trailers and audio books and, uh, um, and music videos and other similar types of things. Uh, which are uh, So that's, a, that's definitely a passion. Um, I, I, accident, I accidentally managed a band for three years, in fact, um, so I know a little bit about that world. <laughs> um, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we have a yeah, long history of uh, other kinds of client projects uh, through the company. So it's dangerous, you know. Like I said, as an entertainment publicist, I try to warn people: say, look, anything to do with show business, music, whatever, it's a it's called a user friendly business. There's always going to be somebody friendly who's wanting to use you. So um, <laughs> you, you got to be careful. Um, True. Couple of things, helping. Also, yeah. Well, I've got a couple of minutes left. If you did want to talk to uh, Eric Schumacher, the number six four six seven one six nine nine two two, and I've got a caller on hold right now for you. But before oh, you I go, do. Okay. Before, before we get this caller, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say first of all, you um, you talk. You mentioned give back uh, a little earlier about what, you know giving classes and some and some help to people. But I also know that you're a member of the board for for, for the Forgotten Children, which is ForgottenChildren.org, mm-hmm. a nonprofit organization yeah. that has almost completed a boarding school for some hundred thousand homeless children in Senegal, Africa. Well, and yeah, and, and uh, that's the, 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 this the beginning of this school was not going to house all all of the the homeless kids in in uh, in Senegal, but the, the goal is you know to change uh, change the game. This was uh, um, uh, El Medoye, who is the president of the board, and this is really his baby, and he's a good friend. And uh, he has this this plan to not just, you know, take these, these homeless kids and just give them food or just give them, you know, some, some – or even just give them an education or, you know, many of these kids have never had shoes before, things like that, but, but to actually give them a home – uh, where they can mm. be taught everything that that they need to to learn and be given the support to become uh, their own their own uh, um, to, to to start you know to go into careers and uh, this isn't a part of the world where if you're homeless there's no resources for you at all um, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of homeless kids there and so he's really this is really an amazing thing and over years there's been little bits of money raised and little bits of money raised to to build this school and it's you know, the of course the pandemic has made it very difficult to move forward. Um, the kids who are currently mm-hmm. in a smaller facility that has been built are, are safe right now, thank God. And, uh, uh, and yeah. you know, as, as we're able to, to get back to fundraising and to building, or you know, the, the board is really looking forward to finishing mm-hmm. the project uh, and growing it and really giving these kids a new life. Okay, I may forgotten children about that too for. Well, anybody can help. I had a tutor from Senegal. Uh, my husband used to work there a lot on business trips with 
Sunlight Communications, but I had a tutor from Senegal. That man taught, he tutored me in classes from communication law to computer science, everything was brilliant. But anyway, let's bring in here, welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Come on in and introduce yourself and say hello to Eric. I think this is from the West Coast. West Coast? Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi there. Hey there. This is Jim Musgrave. Jim, I thought that looked like you. Yes, How are you it doing? Is. I'm Madam Perry. How are well, you? Well, come on in and talk. Hello. Talk to Eric I wanted Schumacher. to congratulate mind, Mr. Schumacher on his charity work. That's That's awesome. I'm teaching, actually, I'm teaching, uh, I was a professor at Caltech, so I know something about um, enhanced books, you know, EPUB 3 formatting. So I'm teaching an online class now to a lot of, you know, uh, students from Nigeria, you know, a lot of the impoverished nations, but they have technical inclinations. So I'm teaching them how to, you know, publish uh, with my enhanced platform that took me 10 years to develop, actually, with security in mind. That's great. Because uh, publishers are getting ripped off. I don't know if you're into the electronic publishing gig at all, but $3 billion lost, to, you know, Amazon, because they haven't changed their Mobi format in decades anyway so but i was really curious about your role as Wyatt Earp because my latest enhanced book the sixth mystery in the portia of the pacific series has you um, accused of first degree murder in 1888 san diego <laughs> in case you wanted to know <laughs> I'll have to talk with Wyatt about that. She's in my yeah, he's in my yeah, head somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I was wondering about playing roles like that. Do you you do keep it with you for a while, correct? I mean you you yeah. get into the part. Yeah, for me, I mean for me, uh everybody's process is very different. And uh for me when I uh I build characters from the ground up. So uh they 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 kind of become in in a weird way, someone who hangs out somewhere in the back of my head and can be recalled when I need them. Uh, so uh, so yeah, you know, I I, it's, I I kind of feel like Wyatt and Doc, along with many other uh, characters I've played, are kind of kind of hang out with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. It's almost like a, a split personality deal. You know, we have many. Anyway, the 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 psychiatrist used to. The Sybil phenomenon, I guess, the, you know, where she had all those Yeah, it does sound like uh, dissociative it's, it's controlled, disorder. though. It's, uh, you know, for me, it's controlled. Yeah. And that's oh, all yeah. part of the training. I mean, you know, it's, it's the, <laughs> is the ability to, you know, you, you, build, you build these personas and you kind of try to live them as somewhat real, but you always maintain that part of you that's you even when you're in the middle of playing the scene so that you're, you want your reactions yes. to be natural on screen. You want people to believe that you're that person, but you also don't want to disappear completely. And, uh, you know, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I have found that, uh, that, you know, I, I can, when I get into that, another persona, there are certain skills I gain more quickly and more easily. There are certain things I can do better than I can when I'm me. And, you know, there's perhaps it's accessing something that we don't normally allow ourselves to access, you know? Yes. Um, well, we're all actors. In, in some form or another, in some way. I think yeah. we have our personas. But um, I was wondering about the, because I do a lot of research for my novels. They're historical in nature. And um, mm-hmm. you have to do that as well, I would imagine. Yes, as much as, as, much as possible. And uh, you, have to, you have to do that. And it comes from a different perspective, you know, because uh, you have to do it so that you can make choices based on what uh, what others have said about that person. You have to make choices about what you're going to internalize, what parts of 
you know, particularly with characters like Wyatt and Doc, who so many people have said so many different things about, and they've said some yes. things about themselves that were recorded as well. You, you're not, you know, no one's a hundred percent sure what's true. So you have to kind of feel out what feels right, so that when you're responding to something in a scene, you're responding from the standpoint of, you know, this is a person that I am because of what happened to me in the past, and so. You're yeah. looking at it from the perspective of, you know, what can I find out about this person that helps me to understand who I think they might be so that I can then yes. internalize that into even my, my physical movements, the way that I grab a plate, you know. Um, it's all, at least that's my process. I go I go into that much detail when I have time to. Um, and, uh, and then from there I'm able to be able to, I, I can react in the moment. So it's one thing if well, you're writing about I'm somebody saying, in an impersonal way and another another thing when you're trying to be that person. Indeed. When I was doing research into Wyatt and his, especially his relationship with his common-law wife, uh, Sarah Marcus, mm-hmm. Josephine, he called mm-hmm. her Sadie. Mm-hmm. Um, she always claimed that he was pretty much an upstanding, clean guy, you know, that really didn't imbibe you know, alcohol much, but Mm -hmm. I saw conflicting evidence, you know, that, that he actually did tie it on and she really didn't want that covered, you know, in the press too much. Was he a drinker or or not? That's a, that's a darn good question. My guess is that he really wasn't. Um, And, you know, when you think about the way that he handled a gunfight, um, yeah. He was he was kind of an innovator. Uh, modern police use techniques that he was, you know, that that were very rare in his time. Yeah. And it's very that famously known, for example, that if the actual, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's very famously known that it, that during the, the what's known as quotes the gunfight at the OK Corral, he was the last person standing. He was completely untouched, and he basically stood in one place, picked his targets, fired, picked his target, fired, picked his target, fired, and you got to have nerves of steel to do that, and you've also got to have a clear head, I think. Um, you know, I think that uh, – because so I, I, I doubt very much that he was uh, – if he drank at all, I think it was very light. Uh, he just didn't yeah. feel – he felt to me like someone who wanted to be clear-headed at all times and be able to react, um, you know, perfectly in all circumstances and was very thoughtful about the way he approached things and didn't like being out of control. Well, he was a, a, I know the research I did for 1888 San Diego when he lived down here with his wife and uh, he, he bought up like four saloons, you know, mm-hmm. gambling he had going and the hundred round mm-hmm. fight, which I begin my mystery with that setting across the border in Tijuana. And um, he was, cry, he was quite a promoter as well. You yep. know, he was. True. Quite a um, quite a guy. <laughs> he was a very interesting person, and also someone who consulted for years on early Hollywood movies, um, and uh, kind of shaped in a lot of ways what we see as the modern western. It was largely what kind of he told Hollywood they should create. And and Jim, to to illustrate what what you were talking about earlier and asking was uh, about becoming a character. If you, I don't yes. think but if you weren't, go back and listen to the beginning where he talks about, where Eric talks about activity. Um, and then a situation that occurred on the way out, uh, what, would Eric, what, what would Wyatt Earp do? And yes. uh, that's, that's a, it's, it's a good story. So, yeah, definitely. It's in the beginning of the show. Definitely go back and check that okay, out. Okay, yeah, I'll listen um, to that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's good. Thank you very much. It's good. Um, yeah. Hey, thank you, Jim, for calling. We appreciate that. Yeah. And, yeah, I'd like uh, to maybe write to you about some things later. I do like trailers, you know, for my multimedia books, and this one's mm-hmm. in development, so, you know. Okay. Well, I'll be with sharing. Your wider. Okay. Yeah, I'll right. be sharing the Steely Studios address, so you can get that. And, uh, oh, yeah, cool. that will be good. Hey, coming up soon, I don't have any more time, but coming up soon, uh, oh, gosh, we didn't even get to talk about the, uh, the, the gamer stuff or anything, but, uh, but you've got well, some things coming would up. Would it be possible for me to just very quickly plug two super quick things? Uh, 
Hey, I just want to mention a couple of things real quick. Um, so one is the upcoming series Horse Camp, which is a super funny streaming yeah. series that uh, is also in production and on hold due to the pandemic, but uh, will release soon after. And there's some trailers out. Very, very funny series by Patrick Ball Media that I was really, really pleased to be involved in. And also uh, upcoming uh, soon, we hope, is the short, uh, the many times award-winning short Bequest, um, which uh, um, uh, which which is uh, which we're looking forward to uh, to getting out there. And uh, and that was uh, I got to play a really interesting role in in that series as well. So uh, um, uh, so those are there's that. <laughs> Okay, and for my game, for people who listen, that that game players and all. Uh, and I should, I'm sorry, I should say that's uh, uh, that was uh, Richard Pines who uh, directed that yes. film. Uh, wonderful actor. Oh, okay, great. So yes, yeah, so when it gets closer, uh, when we're able to see Horse Camp, we'll uh, definitely that again, and it, maybe you'll even come back and talk about it. And um, and and you know, I don't know anything about games, so tell me about the game. The game videos, the game shows. What's what's help me, Eric? Uh, oh, oh, so yeah, so um, well, that's Sealy uh, Studios was founded by my, uh, my my business partner, former business partner Don Dem, who was uh, very uh, uh, well known in the board game and role playing game world, the analog gaming world, and uh, he passed away about uh, now about two years ago. Wonderful, brilliant guy, mm. and uh, and the company was originally called Pulp Gamer Media. Uh, specializing in uh, the uh, in the um, creation of uh, news and entertainment for the analog gaming world, and uh, so that was kind of how the company was built. Uh, did a uh, um, one of the things one of the things that he and his team spearheaded, and I later was able to be involved with as I uh, became a partner. Uh, was uh, the 13 season, nearly 200 episode branded entertainment show, the Bob and Angus Show, for one of the largest board game companies in the world. And uh, so the company kind of came out of branded entertainment and podcasting. And uh, so we're looking at, uh, um, within the next year or so, the relaunch of Pulp Gamer um, and, uh, and being more invo- back more involved in the, uh, the analog gaming world as well. Sounds great. All right. And so that is for my friends that really, that I want you to know, I do love, I did not part out, and that is Peter G. DeWalker, James Spring, James Breen, and um, and a lot more, but yes, I wanted to make sure. Pulp Gamer Media, and uh, <laughs> and Eric, it's been so good to have you. Everybody that's listened, and uh, and James, thanks for uh, joining in with us, James Musgrave. And I just want to say uh, best of luck to everything you do, Eric. You've got to come back. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.